Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you are our guest this evening, it is encouraging to us that you're here, and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. It's good to be together to study God's Word. If you would be opening your Bibles to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, we're going to look at several passages this evening. Some of those will be on the screen, others won't. I hope you'll follow along in the Scriptures as we look at about four different aspects of memorials, many, many memorials we could look at in the Scriptures. Uh, do keep in mind that the flyers for the Summer Faith Series, which will begin not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday evening, are at the Welcome Center and out in the foyer. Be sure and pick those up. Uh, it's a tremendous lineup, the ancient words, living faith. And Andrew has done a wonderful job in organizing the theme so that it complements what we're studying this year as our goal to go back to the ancient words and read all the way through the scriptures. Uh, be sure if you... If you've kind of gotten off track a little bit, get back on track and let's all have a part of studying the scriptures to be a part of our daily routine, our daily schedule. And let's make sure that studying the scriptures and living them is a part of our life all day and every day. It's wonderful to be blessed with such a tremendous song leader as Andrew. So many Sunday nights. Uh, I think... I love Sunday night services, is why they say, I say that. And I think so oftentimes on Sunday night how blessed we are to have a young man that will lead us in such a capable way. And if you're here uh, earlier than before service starts on Sunday night, you see what he does with the pew packers. And those kids will never forget that. And what a blessing it is that he's planting seeds in the life of those children to learn about God and want to sing and to learn about God. And how blessed we are in so many ways. Uh, it was wonderful to go over, as many of us did, uh, this weekend with our Bill Cox house and celebrate his 80th birthday with him. That was a wonderful invitation that we had from the family, and, and we appreciate that invitation. That was quite a delight. A lot of good things coming up. We've got some weddings coming up. We've got camp coming up, uh, and we have the stateside mission trip coming up. All those are very soon. Please be prayerful about those on a daily basis. Pray that God's will will be done, and great success for the glory of God will be a part of all of those things. Here we are, Memorial Day weekend. Since the late 1800s, Memorial Day has been celebrated. First, it was celebrated to honor the Union soldiers that passed away in the Civil War. But after World War I, it became a day to recognize all soldiers that passed away, whether it be in war or any kind of military action. It's good for us to pause and remember. I hope those of us that have children and grandchildren will spend a little bit of time in talking and in prayer with them this weekend to remind them of what Memorial Day is and what it means to us as a nation to not only have individuals that serve and giving their life in the military service, but also those that would give their life in the greatest and ultimate sacrifice in giving their life in death. Also, it's at this time of the year that many towns or families or cemeteries, uh, they have a decoration day along this time of year where they pause and they remember those that are deceased in their family. If you as a family have not done much of that, I want to encourage you to do that. There's something about remembering for a purpose that is very much divine. You know, it's one thing to say, well, I remember a name, a fact, a historical event. We're not talking about rote recall here. We're talking about remembering for a purpose. We need to remember where we've come from so that we remember and know what we're about today and so that we have an idea of where we're going in the future. Tonight, if you will, let's look at four times that in some form or fashion the Lord would say, 
I want you to remember this. There are many other times in the scripture, but let's notice these four. Let's begin by reading Hebrews, the 11th chapter. This is going to take us all the way back to the beginning of our Bible, but notice how it's stated in verse 4. The 11th chapter in verse 4, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. Isn't that amazing that several thousands of years had passed from the time that Abel had passed away to the time that the Hebrew writer wrote this? But yet he reminded us, even though he lived, and he lived by faith offering up his sacrifices, he died. And even though he died, the Hebrew writer says he still speaks today. And that's recorded by inspiration in the scriptures. So now here we are, about a couple of thousand years removed from the writing of this, and it's still... He still speaks to us today. What is it that God wants us to remember? There's something about the first man that we have recorded dying in the scriptures, that being Abel. There's something about his life and his death that God wants us to never forget. He wants us to remember that. Before we dive into that very deeply, let's go back and look at the story in Genesis, the fourth chapter, because there's one more phrase in the story here that really stands out also in a similar fashion. You remember the two brothers of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, and you remember that Abel offered up a sacrifice, as we've just read, that was more excellent in the sight of God, and Cain grew jealous of the fact that his life and his sacrifice wasn't accepted as his brother's was, and so we begin reading the Lord saying to him in verse 7, if you do well, talking to Cain, will you not be accepted? This is Genesis 4. And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. Verse 8, now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? Notice this. The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Isn't that an amazing way that God says that? The blood of your brother cries out from the ground. You see, God, in other words, was saying to Cain, I remember what you did. The blood of your brother will not let me forget what you did. What is it that God wants us to remember about Abel? When we put these two passages together, there are three or four things that really stand out. If you would be turning in your Bibles to 1 John, the third chapter. It's really neat when we take this passage that we're about to read and see how it ties directly into what we're studying tonight, but then also thinking about that as it relates to John was the apostle of love. He was one that seemed to be of a meek spirit, and, and when you read his writings in First and Second and Third John, you can almost picture an elderly man in the church that people were comfortable coming up to and giving a hug. You can imagine him being the one that people came up to and said, I'd like to talk with you about some things. You could almost imagine him being the one that if you said, hey, who in this congregation loves you? People would say, oh, John does. 
He's such a loving man. But notice what he says here. Even though he speaks much about love, notice what he says as we begin in verse 10. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. This is 1 John 3, now verse 11. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning. See, we're back in that story that we were reading in the beginning. That we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. Are you and I ready to accept that tonight? Are you ready to accept the fact and to remember the next time you and I take a stand for righteousness and we realize that to take this stand for righteousness, there are going to be some people in the world that literally hate us. How many of us at that time begin to waffle? Well, I don't want to be so blunt about it. And we begin to water it down. Are we willing to remember the blood of Abel that cries out from the ground saying this clear message? The world in their wickedness will always hate God, His righteousness, and His people. Friends, I must hear that. I must remember that from the story of Abel. The other day, I heard an interview on a local radio station. If any of you listen to Rick and Bubba in the mornings. And they are two DJs that proclaim a great faith in Jesus Christ. Although I wouldn't agree with everything about their faith, it is awesome in the way that they're not ashamed of, of their faith. They were interviewing in their studio Charles Barkley. And Charles was stating how much he hated these Christian people that would look over at a homosexual and say that that was sin. And for the next five or ten minutes, Rick began quoting him scripture and began talking about that that was the word of God and that it's not a judgment of a person. It is the word of God that says that is wrong. And so when you say that that Christian is wrong for saying it's wrong, you're saying God is wrong. And you know, you could tell that that great basketball star of old never grasped it. Now we're back to this morning's topic. He couldn't understand because he did not know the will of God. But you see, the point is this. If you expect Charles Barkley to be a friend of Christianity, we're fooling ourselves. If we expect individuals that are walking out of the depths of the world and they love sin, they must hate righteousness. Because you can't serve two masters. You either hold to one and despise the other, or else you'll love one and hate the other. But you cannot serve two masters. So friends, it's not bad to be hated. If we're hated for the right reason and for taking the righteous stand. Now notice at the bottom of this same slide, you see another bullet, and that is vengeance of the Lord. It belongs to Him. You know, when we see that story of Cain and Abel, we say, where's the justice? 
Why does the righteous man, why is he the one that is slain? And the wicked man continues to live. And we see immediately God promises that his vengeance will come upon Cain. And we will read passages like Romans the 12th chapter, or 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, where God will bring about the vengeance. He'll bring about whatever measure of vengeance that needs to be brought upon this earth, but ultimately on the day of, just, of judgment, he will bring about the ultimate justice. And so therefore, I need to hear from the blood of Abel. It's not my place to put everybody in their place. It's my place to stand with God and allow God to seek the vengeance. Third thing that really three and four on your slide there ties together, and that is worshiping in truth really does matter. Isn't it interesting that one of the first stories of the Bible, Genesis the fourth chapter, only four chapters into the Bible, it shows us two brothers that were offering sacrifices to God. It was a type of worship for them and one is not accepted and the others is accepted. From the very beginning of the Bible, God says, I want to show you that I don't accept just anything in worship. John the fourth chapter, that God's a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And then when we look and say, why was Abel praised in the great hall of faith? He wasn't praised simply because he was killed. He was praised because he was one that offered his sacrifices to God through faith. Where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10 and 17. So whatever he was offering to God came from the mouth of God. The instruction did. On the other hand, Cain must have offered something that came from his self-will. And so here, we hear the voice of Abel, the blood of Abel crying out, and we need to remember how important it is to worship, to worship God in spirit and in truth. A great memorial, if we want to call it that. Look with me, if you will, to Exodus, the 12th chapter. As we're turning there, I want to just give a quick setup for the Lord's Supper. But let's consider the Passover before we do that because you remember Jesus was going in the night before He was crucified and He was going to institute the Lord's Supper, but before He did that, He celebrated the Passover with His apostles. Now you remember the ten plagues when the children of Israel were in Egypt as slaves. And you remember there were ten plagues and just before the tenth plague, which would be the death of the firstborn, the Israelites had the command and the opportunity to take and prepare a lamb in a certain way. And if you have your Bible open, you see near the beginning of Exodus, the 12th chapter, in verses about 1 through 5, you see that the lamb was to be a lamb, verse 5, without blemish. It's a male of the first year. And they were told exactly on what day uh, to prepare this lamb. They were told exactly how to cook it. It had to be roasted. It could not be boiled or eaten raw. They were told exactly what to do with the blood, that they would put the blood on the doorpost. And what was going to happen, because they slew the lamb, and they obeyed God, death was going to come upon all the firstborn of Egypt. And that night at midnight, you could hear the cries of Egyptians as they woke up and they found their husbands or their wives or their oldest child in their house or even their servants that lived in, their, in the house or in their quarters or even their animals that were the firstborn. Death was covering Egypt. And the scripture says there hasn't been a cry like that before or since. But the children of Israel, they were spared of that death. Now, it's interesting to me that at the same time, they're given the command of how to do this. He's even telling them, this is something that I'm going to want you to do on an annual basis. Notice how he says it 
as we read verse 13 and 14 of Exodus, the 12th chapter. Now the blood shall be a sign for you in the house where you are. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Skip down, if you will, now. Uh, let's go to 24. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you just as he promised that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children shall say to you, what do you mean by this service? That you shall say, it is the Passover, the sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Now there's several things we could get out of this. One is, it is a memorial looking back to the Lamb that makes much more sense when then we see in the new covenant John the Baptist lifting his eyes and looking at Jesus Christ coming and saying, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Just as this Lamb delivered the firstborn and them out of slavery, the Lamb of, of Jesus Christ delivers us from our sins and from the bondage of sin. And so there's a lot of symbolism there of the Lamb and the memorial service that led. But... So we, we think about this taking place every year. Every year, hundreds and hundreds of years. Every year. Why? Did you notice there in the reading why? He wants this to be perpetuated. What? The story. He wants the fathers to turn to their sons. And their sons ask, why do we, why do we slay this lamb every year? Why do we pick out the perfect lamb? And he wants them to be told. He wants them to remember about how they were slaves back in Egypt and how God delivered them and how God delivered their firstborn from death. Memorials. God from the beginning has been concerned with what we remember, why we remember it, and how it will shape our life today and how it helps us focus in the future. Now let's think briefly about the Lord's Supper. Go with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. In 1 Corinthians, 11th chapter, and again, just before the Passover, uh, just as after he celebrated the Passover and before his death, Jesus Christ instituted the Lord's Supper. And as we read this, let's begin reading in 1 Corinthians, 11th chapter, and 23, which is just a little note of interest. This would have been recorded first, even out of the Gospels. So it's interesting to think this is one of the first records that we have in the inspired writing that would tell us about the Lord's Supper and exactly how it was instituted. And so here's how it said. By the way, we're going to pick up just after he identifies some problems. They had some real problems in the way they had uh, perverted the Lord's Supper. They had mixed a, a false way of practicing in among the Lord's Supper. And so he addresses that. And of course, the answer to anything that we do wrong the answer is, let's just go back and see how God says to do it right. And so he identifies what they do wrong, but then he says, let's just go back and see how Jesus did it, and we can figure out how to do it right if we understand what Jesus did. So here's what Jesus did. Verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was portrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do, or do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, 
This cup is in the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Now, there are many things that we need to learn from this memorial service. Notice just these five. One we see, let's go to the next slide. Notice, first it's retrospective. Notice how he continually talked about this new in remembrance of me. When we take the Lord's Supper, the Lord wants us to never forget Calvary. Have you thought about how many stories there are in the Bible that are tremendous stories, but yet maybe we say, wow, I haven't thought of that story in a long time, or wow, I've kind of forgotten that story. Or even think about how the story of the cross is even known across the general public, if you want to call it that. Isn't it amazing how well the story is known? Now let me ask you this. How well would the story be known if we were never commanded to memorialize it? You see, the Lord's Supper is a command by the Lord that now for... For hundreds and thousands of Sundays, God's people have come together and they have remembered the cross. You see, God wants us to never forget the price that was paid. But secondly, it's perspective. Notice he says that we'll do this at the end of 26, until he comes. You see, we partake of this supper each Sunday recognizing the fact that not only did he die, but that he is alive and that he ascended into heaven and that he is coming again and we're participating in this supper until he comes again. We're making a statement of a belief that Jesus will return again. But third, notice this introspective. In 28, when he says, examine yourselves, definitely they had perverted the way that they were taking it. And so probably first and foremost in this text, putting this verse in its text. He's saying, you need to examine the way you're taking this Lord's Supper. Are you taking it in a way that the Lord has taught? I think also it's good application for us to also say we need to examine ourselves. Are we truly living as a child of God? Because what we're participating is in a feast that is all about the core of Christianity, Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. But also notice it is instructive. When you look at toward the middle to the end of 26, he says, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Maybe some of you say, I've never thought of myself as a teacher, as a preacher. You realize in one sense when you and I partake of the Lord's Supper that we are making or stating a message to those about us. We're stating the fact that we do believe in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. We are stating the fact that we believe that He'll return. We are stating the fact that we're a part of God's children. We're stating the fact that we are committed to the cause of Christ and we want to gather in communion with His people. And that brings us to the fifth thing, that the Lord's Supper in one sense is separative. In other words, it is the idea that you and I, we rub shoulders with the world all through the week. You and I work with the world or go to school with the world. The, the world may be our neighbors. We go shopping or out to eat or we go to a park. But there's a few times a week and partaking of the Lord's Supper is one of those times in the week. Think of the word communion. The word communion means to share together. It's a wonderful thought that this is one time in the week where we come together and we share together. 
separate from the world, we share together in the remembrance of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That fellowship ought to be very dear to us. And we ought to never forget how it separates us from the world. But finally this evening, I'd like for you to think of one more book of remembrance. And if you will, go with me to the book of Malachi. I'd like for us to look at two passages as we close. In Malachi, the third chapter, as you probably know, this is the close of the Old Testament. There will only be a few more verses written after uh, this verse that we're about to read in Malachi, the third chapter. If you will, look with me in verse 16. And notice what he says here. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. Now, just to make sure that we got the context here, notice it's those that fear the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before Him, talking about before the Lord, for those who fear the Lord and who meditate upon His name. Now, it's not that the Lord needs a book of writings to remind him. But what seems to be is something that they would have been well acquainted with. You see, if you go back to Esther, the sixth chapter, in Esther, the sixth chapter, do you remember how Mordecai was honored? It's an easy part to just miss in the story. So some of us may have missed it. He wouldn't have received the honor by the king if there would not have been a book of remembrance recorded. In other words, it was common in that day and time in kingdoms or among important people for someone to be almost a type of historian that would record the good things that people did. And then on occasion, those who were in charge would get these books out and they would read. And do you remember in Esther, I'd like to just read to you a few verses out of Esther, the sixth chapter. And verse 1 talks about the fact that the king could not sleep. And so they, he was commanded to bring the book of the records of the chronicles, and they were read before the king. And in verse 2, And it was found written that Mordecai had told of Bigthana and Tiresh, two of the king's eunuchs, the doorkeepers who sought to lay hands on the king Ahasuerus. Then the king said, Did you get that? There were two people that were going to lay their hands on the king. Now think about it. This is a king. You ever had a night that you couldn't sleep? This is a king saying, hey, I can't sleep tonight. Call in the one that does the reading for me. I want to catch up on what some people have done for the king. So now this has the king's curiosity. Here's a man that helped save my life, and I don't even know who this man is. The king said, what honor or dignity has been bestowed upon Mordecai for this? And the king's servant who attended him said, nothing has been done for him. And it was from there that Mordecai receives this great honor and this great promotion, if you will. How did that happen? Because the king read the book of records. And so as the book of the Old Testament closes out, Malachi gives us a picture of that and says, for those that love God, God is listening to them. And he is recording in his book of remembrance. In other words, God will never forget to bestow the honor and the dignity upon his people. And we close with this one verse out of Revelation, the 20th chapter and verse 12. As we think about that great and final day of judgment, 
I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened. How many books do you think there are? I don't know if we know all of the books. We know there's a book of life that has our names. We know symbolically that there's a book of remembrance of the good things that have been done. We know for those that will be judged under the Old Covenant, we have the Old Testament that will be open. And for those of us that will be judged under the New Testament, the New Testament will be open. But notice as we read on, the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books of life. Friends, that passage in Malachi 3, we ought to love it. You and I are living a life right now that God says, one day we're going to open up the book and I'm going to remember all that you've done. All that deserves dignity and honor and reward. And we're going to have a memorial that day remembering the past and I'm going to bestow a great honor upon you. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. There's so much that we need to remember. Things that ought to affect us today. We need to remember the blood of Abel. The righteousness will not always be loved or appreciated. But worshiping God in spirit and truth it ought to be of a high priority in our life. We ought to remember the Passover and how the Lord wants us to help one generation to the next generation remember the things of importance. Every Sunday we come together for a memorial service to remember our Lord, to look back to Calvary and to look to His coming again and to remember His body and His blood that was shed for us. Revelation 1 and 5, it's His blood that washes away our sins. But we need to remember the fact that you and I today, you and I last week, if the Lord wills time, you and I tomorrow, will write a few more pages in our book of remembrance. What are you recording? What a wonderful thought. It's wonderful as long as we've been forgiven. Not we feel forgiven. Not that we just want to be forgiven. Forgiven on God's terms. He's the one that forgives. And we have to come to Him on His terms. Are you a believer? Willing to repent of sins, confess before men, and be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins? If not, won't you come to Him on His terms? this evening. If you've been to Jesus and sin has separated you from Jesus, you want to repent, you want to come back to Him, you want to pray forgiveness, we'd love to do that with you. Let's make sure that we all leave here tonight appreciating the country that God's given us and the memorial that's associated with this weekend but realizing there's many other memorials that affect our eternity. If we can help you in any way,